The book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number four this evening, Nehemiah uh, chapter number four. And uh, once again, I appreciate the music as always and all the word that goes into it. Uh, Nehemiah chapter number four. And I want to remind you uh, our Sunday mornings, uh, the series that we're in, Sunday School uh, Stewardship. And I trust that uh, series thus far has been a uh, help and a blessing and uh, I'm sure it'll continue to be so if we allow it to be. And then on Sunday morning, uh, last Sunday morning, we started with kickoff Sunday and then again this morning. And we'll continue it through the next several Sunday mornings uh, from John chapter number six on the miracle of the five loaves and two fishes. And we're taking a statement uh, throughout that uh, chapter, throughout that uh, story. And we'll bring a different message each week. And uh, I, I know that'll be a help and a blessing to us tonight. I want to give you a uh, just a little challenge and a, just a few thoughts this evening from Nehemiah chapter number 4. The book of Nehemiah is a wonderful book of the Bible. Well, it's in the Bible, so of course it's a wonderful book of the Bible. Uh, I enjoy uh, the book of Nehemiah. I enjoy the truths that are in there. I, uh, the character of Nehemiah uh, intrigues me. Um, and so tonight we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah chapter number 4, and I'm going to read one verse of scripture to be our text this evening. Then I want to just deliver a thought uh, this evening. Look at verse number six of Nehemiah chapter number four. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. There's a lot in this verse that we need to be reminded of, and a very obvious truth is, truth is the first phrase uh, is fact in this verse because the last phrase was fact. Uh, walls don't get built unless people have a mind to work. Uh, the work of God doesn't get done unless we do the work of God. Um, there's a lot of, of individuals, a lot of Christians who say, well, I'm going to do a work, I want to be part of the work of God. I want to contribute to the work of God. Well, it takes work to do that. And uh, certainly it takes work to build a church, it takes work to build a home, it takes work to build a life, it takes work to invest in the life of someone else. Um, we all know, and I, I hope we, we're all aware of the fact that we have but one life to live, and there's a limit to that life. Unless the trumpet sounds, and I pray that uh, it does, wouldn't it be great for the Lord to return? Uh, I pray that uh, uh, we are all faithful with this life that we have. But eventually, uh, we're all going to live our last day. Um, what are, is our life going to amount to? A lot of what our life amounts to is the work that we do with our life. And uh, God's people should be a busy people. And so tonight, uh, I want to just bring this, a message on this thought. What is necessary to build a work for God? What is necessary to build a work for God? The greatest thing you or I will do is contribute to the work of God. The greatest thing you will do is invest in God's work. God's work is people. God's work is helping people. God's work is, is, is being a blessing to and helping and building the household of faith. Uh, God's work is reaching people with the gospel. Uh, God's work is investing in some so that they can go reach people with the gospel. Uh, the greatest thing that we'll do is build a work for God. And uh, there's a lot of talk about building a work for God. And, and tonight, I'm not just speaking of a building program. I'm speaking of 
uh, uh, building, building a work for God in the sense that we are uh, building a church that brings honor to Him, uh, that glorifies Him, uh, that Christ is pleased with, uh, to building lives, to uh, I- influencing people, uh, to reaching people with the gospel. For uh, those of us who are still rearing our children, for, our, for us to rear our children in a way uh, that they should be reared, uh, for homes to be bringing honor and glory to God. Your marriage is a work for God. You ought to work on building it. Uh, your life is a work for God. You ought to work on building it. Uh, you ought to invest in other people. And so tonight I want to speak on that subject. What is necessary to build a work for God? Father, I pray that for the next few minutes uh, you would guide my thoughts. You would uh, empower me. Father, I pray that uh, these truths that you've put on my heart this week would be exactly what we need tonight. Uh, may we give some thought uh, to what is our life. May we give some thought to the opportunity that you've put in front of us, an opportunity that brings responsibility, an opportunity that you've given to us that in in many ways you've given to no no other people. And Father, I pray that uh, we would be willing to uh, assess what is necessary uh, to do a work for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, if you're not familiar with the book of Nehemiah, and if you are, it would be good for us to review Nehemiah was probably the most unlikely of individuals to accomplish what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah, no doubt, showed himself to be very capable in the work of God. Certainly, God empowered him, God enabled him to do the things uh, that Nehemiah did. One thing I love about Nehemiah is Nehemiah was a courageous man. Uh, He was very courageous in his work for the Lord. And certainly, I'm certain that the Lord gave him courage. But Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah was in bondage. God's people were in bondage. And I want to just very quickly bring us, kind of review to to get us to where uh, we are in chapter number 4. In chapter number 1, in verse number 3, we find the condition uh, of God's city. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. We have the condition of Jerusalem. We have the condition of the city of the people of God. It was broken down. It was burned with fire. Uh, They had seen better days. They had experienced the judgment of God. They had witnessed and there was evidence of what takes place when God's people Uh, live in such a way that God removes His hand of blessing and brings in a hand of chastisement. Let me just draw a quick parallel to you and I. We are not exempt from that. Uh, A lot of things we see in our nation, as really over the last two years and even beyond, we've seen cities literally burn down. Uh, We've seen things happen in our nation that God has kept us from. You say, well, it's because of uh, this body of politics. It's because of this president. It has nothing to do with any of that. But it's evidence of what happens when God removes his hand off of a people because of the actions of the people. And there's a condition that we find in Nehemiah chapter number 1. Then we see in Nehemiah chapter number 2 in verse number 12, And I arose in the night, and I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God, any, any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, Neither was there any beast would be saved the beast that I wrote upon. We find in chapter 2, verse number 12, we find the burden, the burden of Nehemiah. 
God always works that way. God always places a burden inside the heart of a man to do a work for him. That's how God has always done it. Nehemiah even mentioned he got up, he got permission, obtained permission to go uh, to the city, and when he saw it, his heart was stirred, and as the scripture we just read, he got up in the night and with just a few men, and he told no man what God had put in his heart. You know what we need again in our churches? We need some parents to get a burden for their own children. We need grandparents to have a burden for their grandchildren. We need Sunday school teachers not just to fill a spot, but to get a burden to build a life, to get a burden to reach people. Now, we need God's people as Christians not just to fill a time on a Saturday morning or to fill a time to pass out a track, to actually have a burden to reach people with the gospel. There is a difference in fulfilling a duty, and many times we fulfill a duty, and I'm not minimizing that, uh, but when God places a burden, it is much different uh, when God places a burden in the heart of an individual. We find here, before the wall was ever built, before the wall was ever built, before one stone was ever placed to rebuild that wall, God put a burden in a man. And that burden, it began with that burden. But I want to also point out by way of introduction tonight that that burden didn't build that wall but it's where God started in order for the wall to be built. It's where the work of God started was in the burden, was in the heart of a man that God chose to place a burden. Now, bear in mind, when Nehemiah was in the king's presence and he heard the condition, he could do nothing at that point about the condition of, of, of that city. As God began to burden his heart and God began to put something in his heart, he lost sleep over it. He couldn't think of anything else. If you know the story, you know the king came in and saw his, his composure, saw uh, his, his, the change in him uh, because his heart was so burdened. The king even said, what is wrong with you? And no doubt it had a great effect on the king. The king would say, well, I'm going to let you go because obviously you're burdened this much. Burned to the point where he'd get up in the middle of the night and he would go see the city. That's what God did in order for the work to be done. There's got to be a condition. And then that condition has got to create a burden in the heart of an individual. And when God's going to do a work, he always burdens the heart of a man. Don't Please don't miss that. Please don't miss the way that God always works Please don't miss the way that God has worked in the days of Nehemiah. God has worked in the days of the book of Acts. God has worked between then and now. And every work, great work of God that we think of, great work of God that we point to, God first put the burden in the heart of a man, the heart of an individual. But I want to remind you that that wall did not get built just on a burden. That wall did not get built because, uh, solely because of the burden of Nehemiah. You find the condition in chapter 1, verse 3. We find their burden in chapter 2, verse 12. I want you to look by way of introduction in verse number 18. And then we'll look in verse number 20 of chapter, chapter number 2. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and 
they said, let us rise up and build. Nehemiah was given a burden from God. Nehemiah shared that burden with the people. Then it was not Nehemiah that said, let us rise up and build. It was the people when they heard the burden of Nehemiah who said, let us rise up and build. Verse number 20, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of my heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. The people said, The people said, uh, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, as his servants will arise and build. It began with a condition. Then that condition God used, just because it's desolate spiritually, doesn't mean God won't use how it is spiritually to, to, to begin a work. And I just I want to go on record tonight as your pastor. I'm not one of these discouraged Christians because we're in 2021 and things don't seem to be going the way we want them to go. And absolutely, we want things to go differently. But I'm telling you that God can still build a work and God still wants a work done. And before there's ever a revival, before there's ever a great work of God, there's a bad condition. And God will use that condition to burden the heart. Oh, we need Christians with burdens today. Uh, we, we hear about the need on a Sunday, and by Tuesday we've forgotten about the things that are going on in this world, and we have forgotten about the lost condition of man and, and how there's a, there's a need for the gospel. And we have the truth. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that burden did not build the work. But it started with the condition, then the burden... And then we've seen in verse 18 and verse 20 of chapter number 2, we have the workers who said, we've heard your burden, Nehemiah. We've seen your burden. And we will rise up and build. This is the way God's work. And let me just break this down if you can't connect the dots to how this applies to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. God has seen fit in his church, his New Testament church, to choose a man to pastor that church. And God uses that man to lead that church. And God will put a burden in the heart of a man. And there'll be times when that man can't sleep at night. There'll be times when he rises early in the morning. There'll be times when the burden is heavy. That man can't do a work by himself. But his role is just for God to give him a burden. His role is to carry the burden. His role is to see the city arise in the night, to see the things that need to be done. And then God leads that man to share his burden with the people that he has assembled together. And the truth is this, you study history, and I believe history would tell that churches that did something for the Lord, in every case... They saw the need, they saw their burden, and the people said, let us rise up and build. The people said, let us do a work for God. The people said, we'll reach our city for Christ. The people said, we'll build a Sunday school class. The people said, I'll be committed to uh, be a witness. The people said, 
Pastor, with God's help, we'll build a work together. We'll rise up and build. We'll invest in people. We'll reach people with the gospel. Friend, if you're, if you're, if you're waiting for God to write it in the sky, God does not work that way. We have a Bible pattern for how God does things. And we see in the book of Nehemiah, God used a desolate situation. God used a city in ruins where it had been burnt and defeated and destroyed and, and, and its citizens had been enslaved to put a burden in the most unlikely of men, the king's cupbearer. And that man was burdened to the point where he had to do something about it, but he could not build a wall. He could not rebuild a city. God put a burden in his heart to share with others, and it was the people who said, let us rise up and build. Many churches have closed their doors, or they should close their doors, because when they hear the burden of the man that God gave them, they said, that's wonderful, pastor, you build. That's wonderful, pastor, you pray. That's wonderful, pastor, you witness. That's wonderful, Pastor. You live a holy life and, and you do those things. That is not the way a work gets done. It is when the burden is expressed. and The people get a sense of what God has placed on the heart. They get a sense of the opportunity that is before them. That's the story leading up to chapter 4. Verse number 6. So built we the wall. It did not start with the we. It started with Nehemiah. And by the way, let me just make this application. You may be the only one in your family who's saved, the only one in your family that lives right, that does right, that's committed to the cause of Christ. Let us start with you. You get burdened for your family. You get burdened for those that you work with. It says, and so built we the wall. Before the wall was built, there was a condition, the burden, and the workers. I want to look into the book of Nehemiah in this passage of Scripture, and I want us to just point out obvious things. What is necessary to build a work for God? At some point, God's people have got to stop talking about building a work and build it. Some point, God's people have got to quit hashtagging revival and instead seeking it. At some point, we've got to stop trying to vote ourselves, vote righteousness in, and we've got to be righteous. At some point, a group of people have got to latch on to a burden and say, Pastor, let us rise up and build. Let us make a difference. Let us reach our neighbors. Let us train the next generation. Let us send missionaries. Let us start churches. Let us reach our coworkers. Let us reach our neighbors. At some point, could you imagine what every Bible-believing church, if they did that in every city in our nation, could you imagine what would take place? Something's got to happen to where a people says, let's build the work. How long are we going to sit around and bemoan what has taken place in our nation and decide to do something about it? See, the difference in Nehemiah 
and the average Baptist preacher today, the average Christian today, is Nehemiah. If they, if they, if they, when they hear about it, they just want to, they just want to complain about it. Nehemiah will sleep about it. Nehemiah shed tears about it. Nehemiah did something about it. There's an opportunity, but there's things that are necessary to build a work for God. I don't think any of us would debate the fact that there's a need. There's a need for a great work for God. Let me mention to you what is necessary to build a work for God. Number one, there must be a common goal. In verse number six, so built we whatever came to our mind. That's not what the Bible tells us. So built we the wall. They all had a common goal. The goal was what? To build the wall. The goal was what? To rebuild that city. See, before you could rebuild the city, you had to build the walls to protect the city. The gates had to be hung again. So built we the wall. They had a common goal. I preached a few weeks ago from the book of Acts on the words, in one accord. And how that mighty move of God in the time of the book of Acts, that early church, moved. And it was because the men and women of his church had a common goal. They were on the same page. We find it again in the book of Nehemiah. So built we the wall. There was one purpose. There was one goal. Can you imagine what would happen in our churches if everybody had the same goal? See, churches have got to get out of, get out, get out of social issues and get back to what we're supposed to be about. Winning people with the gospel. With, with building... I'm not interested in holding any, any rallies. I'm interested in, in us building Sunday school classes and reaching families with the gospel. Do you realize if we win people with the gospel, social issues will take care of themselves? All those things will be okay? Uh, that's got to be their priority. We have, must have the same goal. It is true as a church with the gospel. It is true when we endeavor to do anything like we are attempting to do in the near future. There must be a common goal. I remind you that God puts the burden of what he wants accomplished in the heart of a man. Then the people decide uh, what is it that, that is, needs to be done. They get a glimpse of the burden, and then they say, let's build the wall. And as plain as I can say it, God has burdened my heart uh, for the future. God has placed very specific things in my heart and mind. And, and I tell you, that's the way God works. Uh, he has burdened my heart for our city. He has burdened my heart uh, for our families. He has burdened our heart for the, my heart for the next generation. There has been much prayer invested. There has been many sleepless nights. Uh, there has been a lot of seeking the face of God. And I tell you, uh, you have a pastor who's not trying to ride the string out, who's not trying to just coast through the rest of his life. And, 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 and with job security, friend, there's a burden. And if, if we don't do something about 
our nation, our nation is going to continue to slide into hell? What is the future our children and our grandchildren are going to have if we don't decide, let's build the wall, let's do a work? Uh, we have to have a common goal. It's, it's, this is the direction we're going, and we're all going there. We're all, that's why these campaign fellowships are important. They may not be important to you, but they're very important to me. They're very important to me because I want to look every member eyeball to eyeball. And, and I want you to hear the burden. I want you to see what God has put in front of us. I want you to say together, let us do something for God. When our time on this earth is done, let it be said about the Emmanuel Baptist Church and all of its members that we did something together that could only be done if everybody was involved, if everybody was a part, if everybody sought the will of God and said, let's do something that's greater than ourselves. Let's do something that only God could do with a united people. Can you imagine the task that was in front of them? Uh, the tasks that they tried to accomplish. And I'm sure there were many in Nehemiah's days. Did you hear old Nehemiah? He's going to rebuild all the walls. What is he thinking? Who built? Who, he can't rebuild the walls in a city. But verse number 6 says, So built we the wall. It was accomplished for God's honor and for God's glory. How did it happen? Did Nehemiah lay every brick? He did not. But it started with that burden. And everybody got a hold of that burden. And don't miss this. It was no longer Nehemiah's burden. It was the burden of the people. I think Nehemiah was human. Don't you? I'm sure there were some days he got up and said, What in the world have I gotten myself into? Old Sam Ballot. He sends me one more letter. I don't know what I'm going to do. The threats, the weariness. We've been working and working and working, and we're not even halfway done with one. We're not going to live long enough to see all these walls built. About that time, his shoulders drooped. There was the people who got caught the burden. And they began to work, and they encouraged one another. And together they accomplished a lot more than if could be accomplished by one man. So there's got to be a common goal. Our goal must be God's goal. We are endeavoring to build some new buildings so that we can reach more people. Pretty full crowd tonight during spring break. We need more space so we can reach more people. Uh, I, I want to reach more people with the, with the gospel. It's got to be a common goal. Number two, there's got to be commitment. It's fun to talk about building the wall. It's a whole lot more fun to talk about it than actually doing it. When you talk about building the wall, you don't get dirty talking about it. You don't break a nail talking about it. You don't get sore muscles talking about it. You don't get weary talking about it. Uh, it's easy to talk about building a work for God. It's fun to look at pictures and look at drawings. It's fun to talk about how the opportunity is in front of us. But you know what it takes? 
to build a work for God? Commitment. Commitment. Verse number six, the last phrase, for the people had a mind to work. In other words, they were committed. Committed. Well, I was thinking about this as the service began this evening and watching as people as we sang the hymns and listened to the choir sing and just looked at the people who were here tonight and the longevity of the membership of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It takes commitment. It's not easy being a child of God. It's a lot easier, by the way, it's a lot easier being a child of God. I always heard that growing up, and it's like, well, okay, if I'm a child of God, if it's not easy. But let me just add, it's harder to not be a child of God. But it's not easy to do a work for God. Mom and Dad, your, your child is in that nursery. Your children are, are young. It's not going to be easy to rear them according to the things of the Lord. But it can be done. For the people had a mind to work. You've got to be committed. You want every one of the, you young people, you need, to, you need to get over here. You need to understand. You're gonna, you need to get committed. Young adults, I push you, I prod you, because I want you to be everything that God has for you to be. But if you're going to be that, you must be committed. And I, I'm, I'm very proud of our church. I'm very proud of our teenagers. I'm very proud of our singles department. I'm very proud of our young couples. But if you start right, that's important. But if you're going to finish right, there must be commitment in there. You got to be committed. You know, I, I was called to preach when I was six years of age. And I mean, you, you know my story. I've, I've been here most, ever since I was six years of age. Um, you know, you go off the Bible, this is what God wants to do, and then you, come, you work on the staff, and man, preaching, that's just, you know. But if you're going to last, you've got to be committed to it. If you're going to usher longer than a week and a half, you've got to be committed to it. Um, and you know, on a beautiful day, wasn't the day a beautiful day? I saw, you know, I, I married Brother Charlie was out there today when I was preaching getting his last smoke in. He was out there <laughs> basking in that beautiful weather. You know, but it rains in Florida too. It gets hot in Florida. Got to be committed. Uh, I pray for the commitment of the people of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. We must be committed to do the work. Some days are easier than others. Some days are harder than others. What is it that helps us to continue to see the work done. It takes commitment. Don't be, don't be afraid of that word, commitment Sunday. Oh, I knew pastor was wanting us to commit to something. Pastors only want you to commit to what God wants you to commit to. I have it, and I'm not. If you came to me and asked me, I'm not telling you what to commit to. Other than the fact that you ought to commit. You got to commit. You know why you're here on a Sunday night? Commitment. If you're able to be here on Wednesday night, you know why you'll be here on Wednesday night? If you're here on Wednesday night? Commitment. 
You don't always feel like coming to church. Now, a warm toasted bagel helps on Sunday morning, but you don't always feel like it. It's commitment. This is what I am going to do. Christian, don't be afraid of commitment. We'll think nothing of signing a 30-year mortgage. But committing to six weeks of anything at the church house? Uh, I just I don't know I can do that. You're asking too much of me. Uh, commitment, number three, it's the word sacrifice. The people who built the wall sacrificed their time, their effort, their energy to do a work for God. You know, you know, we've it's been a crazy few years and with the different changes with the bus ministry, with Sunday school and our space limits us in, in some of these areas. But but you know if you're gonna fill a bus, you're not gonna do it from ten to noon on Saturday. If you're really gonna build a Sunday school class, you're not gonna do it by sending four or five emails during the week. If we're gonna reach people with the gospel, it's gonna be take more than leaving a track with a two dollar tip at a restaurant. And let me just throw this in. If you don't tip or you don't tip well, don't leave a church track, please. I'll give you some of a different church for you non-tippers to leave. Better yet, just tip. It's going to take some sacrifice. Uh, but imagine with me, if you will, the great satisfaction those people had when that last block was placed. Having endured all they endured, the time, the effort, the energy, and the work for God was finally completed. Something just tells me, and I get the sense that it was at that moment all the time and energy and effort that they had invested was worth it. That every time they laid their eyes on that wall, they knew it was not all about them, but they knew that God had used them and involved them in doing a very significant thing for Him. And I imagine it's just the way I picture it. If you don't want to picture it this way, you picture it the way you want to picture it. This is the way I picture it. I picture those walls were built those who had labored and bloodied their knuckles and sacrificed their time. And as we'll see in just a moment, they did the work of God with a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. They built a work for God under threat from the enemy. I imagine that they walked some around that wall who was not there when they built it. And I imagine they would say, from here... To here, I laid these blocks. From here to here, this is, this is where on that day, Nehemiah came to us and said, we're going to work today, but you need to be on guard because the enemy's coming. And the reflection of the part that they had. I imagine there was somebody there who 
They couldn't lift as much as somebody else lifted. Their days weren't as long as somebody else's were because they didn't have the energy. They didn't have as much time. But I imagine when they talked about the wall, they didn't preface was, I didn't only have a little part. It's like, yeah, we built the wall. Look what we did with God's help. And it took sacrifice. And friend, if you and I are going are to leave our mark on the, for the cause of Christ, if we are going to lay up treasures in heaven, if we are going to reach people with the gospel, if we're going to leave something behind for generations, it's going to take some sacrifice. I mean, we, we're very blessed people. God hasn't asked us at this point to sacrifice our lives for the cause of Christ. Oh, there's been many through the generations He has asked that of. Let me just say, if you're not willing to commit to the local church, if you're not commit, willing to commit to a building program, let's not talk about committing your life to the cause of Christ. Because if we won't commit in that which is little, we're probably going to have a difficult time committing to that which is great. It's going to take some sacrifice. And then number four, it takes battling. If you know the story, I'll just read verse number 13. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Sanballat and Tobiah stirred up the enemies of God when they saw the work being done. Not everybody's going to be excited about what God does. Not everybody's excited. I tell you, when God begins to bless a work, a church, a people, a home, it stirs up the devil. It stirs up those who are against the work of God. And if we are going to build a work for God, it's going to take battling. Uh, we must battle the enemy. And that's why I've, I've said over and over, I want you to pray throughout this campaign, because that is battling the enemy. That is, we must bind the strong man. We must uh, appeal to the throne of God for him to do that which only he can do. And it's not just providing the means, but it's withholding that which would hinder us. Mom, moms and dads, parents, if you're going to rear your children in a way that would honor and please God, you're going to have to fight to do it. You're going to have to fight other family to do it. Let me just remind everybody, I know spring, spring is upon us, summer will be here. Um, Aunt Susie and un Uncle Bob, they, don't have a, they shouldn't have a say in your kids. Um, and, by, and by the way, to every, every parent, every, everybody who still has children at home, it's your responsibility to rear your children, not your parents' responsibility to rear your children. And we ought to rear our children according to the things of the Lord. But you have to battle to do it. I've told all of my children, I will, there's nothing in this world I won't fight for you. There's nobody, I don't care what their last name is, I don't care who they are, I'll fight them for you. But then I go so far, to, I've told all of them this, I'll fight you for you. I want dad, and, and I want you to get along with dad. I want us to have sweet fellowship, but if I have to fight you for you, 
I'll fight you for you. And by the way, there's a lot of kids that would be salvaged if their parents were willing to fight them for them. Uh, and that's true of each and every one of you as your pastor. I'll fight you for you. Some of you I have. There's some of you I'm thankful that I can't read your mind. I'm so thankful. Pastor, don't you wish you could read people's mind? Nope. Perfectly content. Just, just only imagining what those looks mean. We must battle. If doing a work for God was easy, there'd be a lot more of them. A lot more of them. See, my challenge to us tonight is this. Let us rise up and build. Let us build a work for God. You know, at some point, there's got to be a generation who says, we'll use our lives to do what is necessary to leave behind something that maybe will spark in our nation. Now, there was a day when there were Bible-preaching churches everywhere. It's sparse now. We can talk about that or we can do something about it. Oh, there was days, well, Pastor, there was days. Remember the days when, when the independent Baptist movement was this? and we were, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were building the largest churches and the most dynamic churches. Do you remember, remember when all, you know, why don't we quit talk, talking about how it used to be? Why don't we just live how it can be? And I know that I'm preaching to what I believe is the greatest church on God's planet. We experience the Spirit of God week in and week out. The Emmanuel Baptist Church is far from dead. The Emmanuel Baptist Church is in its greatest days, in my opinion. We have, a, we, have a great, we have great days on the horizon. But we can be satisfied with what God has given us, or we can say, well, why don't we build a work for God? Why don't we do something where the people of Jacksonville, Florida, they may not know a lot about us, but they may say, God's doing something there. And if you want to find God, you can find Him at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And if you want to see something that's going on, we may not understand it, we may not even like it, but something's happening there. At some point, we have got to say, I'll commit to that. I'll sacrifice for that. Pastor, I'll even battle for that. Tonight, that's my invitation. My, part of my responsibility as your pastor is to bring the burden that God has placed in my heart. It's the church's responsibility to see the burden and say, let us rise and build. A work for God is never accomplished by one man. Although a lot of times, he gets more of the credit than he deserves. A work of God is accomplished by a group of people who says, let's do something for our city. Let's do something for our generation. Let's do something for our homes. Let's do something for our families. Let's do something in our time for God. Tonight, as we go to the invitation, would you commit 
I'm not even talking about a financial commitment. As I've been teaching in Sunday school, if God has your heart, He'll have you. If God has your heart, He'll have your finances. He'll have your life. If you're not committed as you should be to this book, why don't you commit tonight? I was thinking about this as, as I saw that last group up here singing. They have opportunity that some of you don't have. It's the same opportunity I have. I started in church. I want to finish in church. Some of you didn't have the privilege of starting in church. But you're here now. Why don't you make up your mind to finish? Why don't, you make up, why don't we make up our mind that we're going to commit fully uh, to the young people, the teenagers, the children, to the single adults. Commit all the way. You don't need a backup plan when it comes to God. As God's people, why don't we commit to make a difference in the time that God has put us together? Let's, let's build a work to the Lord. Father, I pray.